And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He's Gary McNamara. That's what it says on my cheat sheet here. And I'm you, whatever that means. Good morning, Gary. And hold it. I'm looking at my crib notes here. Uh, am I supposed to ask myself a question? Oh, yeah, no, those aren't no, crib wait, notes. Those oh, are cheat sheets. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cheat, Get with the cheat, times. Cheat yeah. sheets here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is just, it's amazing how clear the pictures are of the president's cheat sheets. You know, the, and, and I mean, that was just amazing, especially, you know, you can see the L.A. Times reporter and what the question is going to be. Yeah. And what the and yeah. so, you know, you look at it, it was, you know, he had a pre-approved list of reporters, mm-hmm. which brings up this question. And I don't know if any, but I didn't see anybody write an article on this uh, because they they showed the list of people that were at the the actual the the prep meeting for the president. Right. Right. But that means that the White House has to be communicating if they know what the questions are going to be, that means they're communicating with reporters. Elon Musk, if you're listening, uh, any of those particular media outlets, then if they are communicating with the White House to prep the president for the question in order to be asked a question by the president, you should refer to them as state-sponsored media. <laughs> right? Am I, am I, am I, am I, I would I, do that without this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Um, well, for a long time, the White House reporters have known who's going to get called on and who's not in a in a major press conference. Maybe not necessarily in front of Corinne uh, Jean Pierre, but they know who's going to get called on. And they're often, if they misbehave, Pete Dosey, not called on because <laughs> they're shouting questions at the end. Um, but usually if it's a, one of the bigger events, especially with a foreign dignitary, uh, they know who's going to, the reporters themselves know if they're likely to get called on. Now, the problem with Obama was (laughs) 
he may have a list of back in the day may have had a list of who he was going to call on but his answers were so enormously long <laughs> and went on for nine or ten minutes he didn't always get to the entire list of reporters um it's interesting because uh new york post in their coverage of this they go back to uh a number of the notes you know that that look funny and odd especially if you consider the president's age his cognitive issues and everything else you fold that into the mix and you know it looks like he's being guided around now i've worked some corporate gigs where they give you notes that you know you don't need and i know i I don't know if you've experienced this gary you know at any of the you know speaking engagements um but for corporate gigs Quite often, their departments will come in and they've got everything. I mean, they want every... Okay, you'll take three steps over to the podium and then you'll take two steps behind the podium and the CEO, and they get it all mapped out. And it's like, okay, you're then over. You're overthinking this. Turn around, do the hokey pokey. and Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives you... Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, make sure you don't scratch. The, you know, it gives you <laughs> long list of what not Do's to do. Do's and don'ts. Yeah. Hey, it's Eric Harley. We're going to have a list of whole, an entire list of things not to do. Um, but, um, yeah, they they quite often do that. And it, it really is sometimes it's kind of uh, comical. And, and they're all, they mean well. Um, and I, I've been, you know, honored to, to work with a, a number of great, uh, folks and companies. Yeah, but that's a completely different, that's not even well, relating to this. My point thing. is, is yeah. that they, they, well, actually it is because I've, I've been in the, in the, in the case where they believe if they don't know if you're an unknown quantity, which really the president is, then you're going to guide them just like you have never worked with them before. And that's where the president is mentally. They have to pretty much give him instructions as if he's unpredictable, and that's because he's unpredictable. Well, I'm not – that's that's their side. The other side is the media. That's why I'm saying it. It's the corporate gig is not the same thing. Of course, a corporate gig, and if you're the president's own staff, they're going to guide him however – the problem is the media, if the media is actually cooperating with the White House. That's the complete difference. Oh, wait. You mean there's an issue with the liberal media cooperating with the White House? Well, no, well cooperating to this to this particular point, especially when they claim the entire claim is, you know, we're we're you know, we're unbiased. If there is if there is. And that's why I said Elon Musk. And I'm being serious. Elon, anybody who uh, cooperates with the White House to have the questions pre-approved, and that gets them a chance, should be called state-sponsored media because they are cooperating. That's not the role of the media well, in the United States. How they've been behaving for right. years. Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, yeah. yeah, but you don't see. you. It may be happening. You don't see it. Now you have the evidence that it's happening. That's the point. Well, I guess you and only see it if you follow the media, if you read their stories. I mean, you know, that's Well, of that's course, the whole if you thing. don't read yeah. it, you're not going to know it. We can only talk about what people know, what pe- not what people don't know. Well, I mean, our audience has been following the liberal media for a long, long time. My point is is that, you know, it's it's a given. This is this I think is the the frustration with the liberal media is that they believe they believe they're not getting enough cooperation and coordination with this White House, especially with, 
Jean-Pierre, they believe that they're not getting the talking points. It's like, why aren't you guys cooperating with us more? It was, it was, when it came across, it was like, did the Biden administration learn something? Are they trying to cooperate with the media more now because they see the media's frustration, especially after he announced the other day? And then the following day, it's like, oh, man, they're cooperating. You know, and this administration has just been defiant, had this defiant nature, not giving them their talking points over and over. The liberal media has been frustrated, especially with Karine Jean-Pierre. And I think, number one, it's because she's so so horrible at her job. And number two, because Biden has to fight with everybody for no reason. And so when I saw it, I was just like, no. Are they learning their lesson? Or has the tone changed since Biden has announced? You know, it seemed like in the 24 hours after the uh, video came out for his announcement, it seemed like there was this um, this fine, let's move on from the age thing, right? Okay, yeah, he's old, but the donors are coming in. Everything's working in his favor and blah, 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 blah. And it's like people just wanted to put blinders on again. I don't know if they were just worn down and gave up. I don't know what's going on. But it's like in that 24 hours, there were way too many, not everybody, but way too many in the media going, "Ah, okay, fine. We'll just move on. We'll just focus on something else. And maybe it's because they don't get enough cooperation from the white house you know it's just it's it is the insanity of joe biden but i just i just wonder where you know the party is now that he clearly is not going to step down he clearly is not going to get out of the way so the dnc has to deal with the fact that their party the majority of their party doesn't want him to run again yet he's running again And I guess the only thing you can do is pretend like it's working and move in that direction and pretend like there's no rift. Pretend like the polls actually don't say what the polls actually say. Yeah, I'm reading the transcript from the reporter, the actual transcript from the the White House, and now I can't get back. For some reason, Twitter is down Mm. for me, so I can't get back to actually looking at the note Mm. uh, that that was uh, there. Yeah, Twitter's down for me here at the moment. Uh, but it it looks like it's the exact, you know, her question is the exact same question that's on that sheet. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that, that I view as it doesn't, you know, the, it's one thing whether he has to be prepped for everything and needs cheat sheets. Mm-hmm. It's another thing if, the, you know, and, and I don't know if that's, that's the one that they caught, but I don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's the only reporter that actually then, pre-submitted the question to the white house Mm -hmm. so they would have an answer if that's the case if that's if that's what's happening that should be a much bigger story because not not that i didn't think it was happening before Mm -hmm. but again you have the evidence that that's happening and they need anybody who doubted it before right if you doubt it before and and to me that's the that you know that's the 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 key here of course Biden is losing his cognitive abilities, and so he needs a cheat sheet. He doesn't even know. You see him now, and 
He didn't even know where the hell he is. I mean, well, he, he was talking about, the, yeah. is it time for me to ask myself a question? He's just that's, drifting. It's it's horrendous. That's what the New York Post was focusing on, and you know, in the, in the latter part of their, in the latter half of their their coverage on it, they they were they went back to the one note that said, uh, "You do this, and then you take your seat." And you is in all caps, by the way, on the card on the on these little uh, guidance cards, cheat sheets, whatever you want to call them. And and the word "your" is in all caps. What you saw, the, you saw the one where it's like, who was at the meeting? Yeah, you know, who was at the prep meeting? Yeah. It says yeah. you, you, you know, at the you top were, and that all you caps. were. That basically, we have to tell him yeah. he was at the meeting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, you think about this. The day after he announces that he's that he's running for president. Yeah, you know, that was just. It's just a complete cluster. Yeah. No, it's, we know the other word. Well, and and uh, <laughs> also, and the New York Post mentioned the uh, the one time that a an aide slipped him a note that said, "Sir, there is something on your chin." <laughs> <laughs> now that you would want to be told. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there it is, right there. Press conference prep for Wednesday, April twenty sixth, twenty twenty three. Oval Office, the president. You mm-hmm. <laughs> were yeah. there. So. And then the list of everybody else right. that's there, yeah. The reminder that you were there. I mean, yeah. that's just, you th- think about it, that is <laughs> that is just unbelievable. <laughs> now, no, what would be funny, you and then below that, your wife, comma, Dr. Jill Biden. And <laughs> 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 yeah, so People not in attendance. Hunter. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at it right now. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, thank you, Mr. President. Your top economic priority has been to build up U.S. domestic manufacturing competition with China, but your rules, again, against expanding chip manufacturing in China is hurting South Korean companies that rely heavily on Beijing. Are you damaging a key ally uh, in the competition with China to help your domestic politics ahead of the election? That's the actual question that she asked. And then you go to it, foreign policy semiconductor, uh, manufacturing is the is the question, and let me get down here because there was somebody had a closer thing. Uh, here it is, right here. Uh, how are you squaring your domestic priorities, and then you know the friction around uh, uh, South Korea? So basically, he knows what the question is, which means the Los Angeles Times had to previously submit the question to the president. Mm-hmm. And then it's okay. And it's the, likely the, the, the days quid, ahead of time, probably right. two or, at least two or three days ahead of time. Which means a quid pro quo is you get answer. You, you know, if you pre-submit it, you get the question. That would be my question. Well, well number to, one, we'll choose the questions that we want to answer from those that are submitted. But but number one, well, actually, even before that, going back to choosing who you think is going to. Uh, number one, stick to the question. And number two, uh, actually not try and do a follow-up. Not be a journalist. And, you know, it's interesting how many, I guess, how many people just don't see them as activists. Still call them journalists, reporters, and I know they still call themselves that. But it's all... All activists. I remember one time I did an interview with Sean Spicer after he left the White House, and it was during, in fact, uh, 
Oh gosh, it was toward the it was toward the end, I think, of the Trump presidency, and but it was after he had left. And I called them activists. I said these aren't reporters; they're activists. And he actually said during the interview, "Oh, I've never thought of it that way." And now on his show, he he talks about that. Um, but I thought to myself, "Well, gosh, in the role that he was in, he didn't see it that way." And, you know, I guess if you live inside that bubble, and that's a very small bubble there inside that White House, for somebody in the position that he was in, I guess, to not see it that way was kind of surprising. But this is how this is how it works. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the, the White House, the uh, the uh, White House Correspondents Association, mm-hmm. which is the, the nine member uh, executive board elected by correspondents represents a membership on issues relating to access to the commander in chief coverage, workspace, logistics, costs for press travel to accompany the president on the road. The president is Tamara Keith from NPR, Vice President Kelly O'Donnell from the White House Correspondents, uh, White House correspondent for NBC News. Had they been asked directly, is this approved? Is this common practice? Is are are, are they are, you know is this something that they approve of? Will that reporter from the L.A. Times will they be any way criticized by the White House Correspondents Association for allowing this to happen for cooperating with the White House like this? Right. Is there an why did the is, is why there, did the reporter even have to ask the question? It's, <laughs> I mean, right. He had the question. Right. It's right there. He right. could have read the question himself. Uh, what's your name? Uh, wants to know from the LA Times. Wants to know. <laughs> Here's her question for me. So that's what I got out of it all. That this is, I mean, the evidence that, oh my God. That, well, then your state media, you submit the question and then you get asked well, the question. I would say, especially right now. The reason it stands out is because of the whole shouted questions moment. Think about that. So you've got the the White House press corps that's sitting in the room, and they're asking the question, why isn't he taking any questions? Right. And then all of a sudden, this comes out. Now, I have to know, I I would have to believe that they know that that's how it goes. Those, Those people in that room know how it goes. But that still has to be frustrating in that we can't actually ask him any questions. We have to go through this entire dance days ahead of time, and it's still not going to be chosen. 86690-RED-EYE. Cold weather takes a toll on trucks. As warmer weather rolls in, it's time to assess the impact winter has had on your vehicle before you find yourself stranded roadside this spring. Begin your spring maintenance routine by inspecting your brake system and listen closely for any air leaks. During winter, water and moisture that builds up in your air brake system almost always freezes and turns to ice, which can damage your air valves, air dryers, and other essential components. Check and drain your air tanks to help keep water, contaminants, and corrosion at bay. Also, check your slack adjusters for proper stroke and lubrication. And check your brake lining or pads to ensure proper thickness. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. 
Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harding. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. And to verify with the audio that the L.A. Times uh, reporter asked the question that was on the cheat sheet. Let me take some questions. The first question is from Courtney of the Los Angeles Times. Thank you, Mr. President. Your top economic priority has been to build up U.S. domestic manufacturing in competition with China. But your rules against expanding chip manufacturing in China is hurting South Korean companies that rely heavily on Beijing. There it is right there. So, same question. Just amazing. Amazing. Monitoring this show at all times for your protection. Nightly Red Eye Radio. Uh-huh. That's true. Oh. And I love that. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know, you're like, what, do you, what, what does he mean? That that comes from our analysis of the view. And, yeah, and uh, the the fact that they have a they have to have a team of lawyers that's in real time monitoring everything that they say because uh, on the view. Uh, they've gone into commercial break and come back with an official, you know, apology from what they said in the in the previous segment. Yeah, which means they've got their lawyers <laughs> watching and listening in real time for anything that they may say, and that may be a first. That may be a first in American history on a uh, on any. Uh, on... Now, our lawyers aren't real lawyers; they are actors. Who have the only qualification is you had to have once played a lawyer on Law and Order, and that's a long list of people. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every stage actor in New York City. 
So if you've ever been on Law & Order, then you qualify to be in our uh, lawyer pool. Which means we're all sitting around drinking cocktails in the office. Yeah. What they did on Law & Order. Yeah, because <laughs> actors actually do that. <laughs> you know, I, I was was thinking with uh, everything that we've been, been talking about and even looking at uh, the whole uh, Nikki Haley controversy of going after um, uh, DeSantis yesterday. This was my thoughts uh, on the way to work today. I went, you know, everybody really sort of thinks the same on the ideas. You know, Trump is, as we've said before, Trump is not a radical. DeSantis is not a radical. No. The Republican Party and what they actually believe on the issues, there is nothing that they are radical on. Uh, in the media, even, you know, what, just because of the, you know, the Tucker Carlson thing and everything else, mm. when you look at all of the conservative media in general, Everybody basically agrees with 90 to 95 percent of, you know, of the other person. Right. Yeah, sure. And the nuances is where they they argue back and forth. But for the most part, people are in agreement. The only difference, what makes a difference in everything in politics and media is not your position, but how you explain it mm -hmm. and, and how you do it, how you present it and, you know, what your focus is. And sometimes the focus is wrong. The focus is on, uh, you know, a, a a part of the argument that really isn't the most important part. I might I might believe not the most important part of the argument. Yeah. But really, everybody sort of thinks the same. You know, this whole thing that that any Republican who thinks that you know if DeSantis wins and Trump doesn't, that there would be a big difference in the direction of the Republican Party. Well, there wouldn't be. And with if you look at the other, you know, mainstream Republicans, probably the same thing. It might be five or ten percent here or there, but for the most part, most Republicans think the same. It was just a thought I had coming in, and because I, I was, I was look, you know, the Nikki Haley thing. I was like, "Where are you going? You're not mm -hmm. going to win this." Mm -hmm. I don't know how you. View, we didn't talk about this in our pre-show meeting, but I viewed it. I just said she doesn't know where to go. She doesn't know where to go in this campaign. So I'm going to sit there and I'm going to come out and say, you know, Disney, you're welcome to come to South Carolina where we're not sanctimonious. Oh, so you agree with teaching? Uh, you know, what do you, Nikki Haley, what are you trying to say? You right. better you better clarify that because the message I got was, well, you're communicating that you're okay with teaching sexualized content to five-year-olds. Right. And well, this approach of, if, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, be careful in politics. No, it doesn't a, work no, that no, way. No, that's a great point. That's a real great point. Because you you basically walk right into your own mess. You create right. your own mess. And and I know the argument that's being made. The argument that's being made uh, by Trump and other conservatives is the fact that if you're a capitalist, you you know you don't do what DeSantis is doing. Right. Because if you're, I understand the argument, but the full argument is. That does that mean that the way that the rest of companies are because Disney has a special dispensation, you know, they've got a they, they've got special rules for there's one rule for Disney and a, and all the other companies have to abide by another rule that mm -hmm. is the same. Mm -hmm. And so you look at it and you say, OK, you gave real liberty to 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 Disney because they're a huge corporation. Yeah. 
which in essence, whether you wish to call it, uh, I know DeSantis called it corporate welfare, special advantages, special authorities to do things that no other company would have. Yeah. And and so is it fascism? No, it's not fascism. Is that going a little bit too far or some kind of, well, he's a fascist in this way. No, he's not. That's not that's not fascism. And what is it about? It is about the fact of you have taken such a radical position and you know, such an incredibly radical position that sexualized content should be taught to five year olds. That's the position that Disney has taken. Well, and, and 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 if you're going to do that, then you don't get that special dispensation because it it then raises the the question and a red flag of all right, if you have your own authority of policing inside your own basically safety. sovereignty, <laughs> well, well, it, but it is a safety well. issue if if the state sees that behavior as a danger to individuals, especially children, then I think they are obligated to do everything they can to make sure that they have access and that they have control over that. I'm not saying that they go in and and raid, uh, you know, an office without having a warrant and, and, and a, you know, some kind of probable cause, that kind of situation. I'm talking about the company itself, the corporation, not having that special dispensation and that type of authority because that gives them too much shelter and puts the state off by at least right. a few steps in protecting well, children. Well, it's but it's like if Republicans came in and said, look, these subsidies need to stop for these for wind and solar. Well, is that right. fascism? Is that anti-capitalism because you're saying, wait a minute, you know, you don't you don't get this special thing that other companies don't get. All companies should be treated the same. Right. Is that a fascist? Is that an anti-capitalist uh, opinion? Or is that the fact, well, no, regulations need to apply fairly to all corporations across the board. Now, you can have a great discussion on it, but certainly it's not fascism and certainly it's not anti-capitalism. No. As is being as is being promoted. So, but that's Nikki Haley was attempting to jump on that, but she, in her statement, where you see the, her in her statement, you're like, where are you going with this? Where, you know, where is it? Let me let me get the statement here. Here it is. Uh, okay, uh, Disney. My home state will happily accept your seventy thousand jobs if you want to leave Florida. We've got great weather, great people. It's always a great day in South Carolina. Uh, uh, South Carolina's not woke. But we're not sanctimonious about it either. What's your message? That well, you that you agree with Disney? Well, and you know, taking on the you know, Ron desanctimonious thing, you know, and 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 using that when really you don't have a goal because you just basically allied with Disney. And keep in mind, and clearly she and her campaign did not, that Ron DeSantis took Florida red after all of that. That's the people standing with DeSantis and his party, not the opposite. 
and you want to be the nominee for that same party. I looked at that and I just said that was not well thought out by, no, by no, Nikki you Haley's just campaign. Right it, into it, it. To me, it was like an act of desperation where she doesn't know where to go. She's not making any headway, which we said was the problem. What are you offering that's different? Mm-hmm. You know, and and what you know, what is your position now with with Disney? Be sp- and I, and the Disney thing, by the way, you got to be specific. You just can't throw out generalities. Because remember, Disney is in favor of sexualized content for five-year-olds. Well, you're and you're promoting an advantage for a company while saying, you know, our state isn't woke. You're going to yeah. be. You are if you're inviting Disney in. You're endorsing it. Right. Under their terms or your terms? Well, well that's I mean, it. That, well, that's the I, whole I mean, thing. to Nikki Haley, not right. you. Well, no, I know. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. It clearly would be under their terms. And I'm just, I'm shaking my head going, wow, I mean, of all the big issues out there of Americans' concerns right now, this back and forth on this is sort of like, uh, even though it is important, and it, you you know it's important because I think the Bud Light uh, controversy shows how it is important. And I'm just like, you need to be, you need to be extremely specific on this issue so people understand exactly where you are. And she wasn't. She just threw that out and I went, Wow, that's a bad political move. That was horrible. By and, and they saw the DeSantis campaign or the PAC came back. They now call her Mickey Haley. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you walk into it like that, clearly she saw you know the the rift between Trump and DeSantis and the Trump supporters and the whole uh, disanctimonious you know label mm-hmm. that they've given him as an opportunity to go in and. I don't know, capitalize on that? And are you expecting that the Trump supporters are all of a sudden just going to move over to Nikki Haley? Well, I you know that that's a great point. You don't use you number 1 when Trump said that people went, "What does that mean?" Yeah. Who who was it who said that on the air when I I, I don't even know what the purpose, you know, you got to have a purpose to it that doesn't even make sense mm-hmm. and for her to try to co-opt that it was just which was ineffective which, in the first place right. in in order to try and position herself as an ally of Trump. You know, I it, none of none of that works. If you have an issue with DeSantis and how he handled Disney, get straight to the point. But instead, what you did is you botched it. You threw out a generality. You said, I'm only going to cover part of this. Part of the argument that's hanging out there is, you know, uh, just how far should Republicans go because we want Republicans to have a good relationship with business. That's actually the point. Yeah. But, you know, you're not really explaining it fully as to what's going on here and the the and how radical the position of Disney is you're making that as if that's a non-issue and that's a huge issue for Republicans well and you're trying to to capitalize on on um a ton of emotion that was going back and forth a political emotion if you will going back and forth and you're not even part of it that's a great point she's trying to insert herself into it yeah i need to be <laughs> yeah but uh, I just was like, wow. It was just, to me, it was bad. It no, was it was just really, bad. It was, it was it was really horrible. It was if you, again, if, if she wanted to get straight to the point on 
All right, uh, here's where I disagree with Ron DeSantis, and okay, I'm, that is expected. But mm-hmm. you have to get to the point, and the only point to this was trying to create an ally in Donald Trump. No, I, I guess this would be the this is what I would I would look at, and again, we're putting on our campaign hats here, the campaign advisor. I would say, well, first you need to come out and say Disney was wrong for what they did, but. This is a way that I would treat Disney here. This would be the appropriate. I think where DeSantis is going is inappropriate here. And here's what I do. Bah, 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 bah. But right. you've got to say Disney is radical for their position that they've held. And I might say, but they have changed their CEO. You know, they've, they've changed their CEO. And I would negotiate or do whatever mm-hmm. in instead of the hard line because it might come off as anti-business. Yeah, right. But that doesn't have the effect. Well, that would well that would have been a thoughtful approach. It would have been, yeah, yeah. And but it, the way she did it was quite right, the opposite. Right. I mean, it may, but the effect she wanted to have some type of oomph effect, and it had the I believe the opposite re, the opposite reaction. Yes, got the opposite reaction. Yeah. Eight six six ninety red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety red eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Coming up following the bottom or bottom of the hour, following the top of the the uh, the hour. Uh, wow! You just you look how low the polls going on the economy. It just keeps going down and down mm-hmm. and down and down. That's not going to move. By the way, I don't care if even there's a moderation in the rate of inflation. Uh, it, it's not be, it's not going to go down because people's savings are gone. They're not going to catch up for five, six, seven years. Well, I was, and I was uh, uh, reading about the auto loan delinquencies, and they're on the rise again. And keep in mind, they've been on; they were on the rise in twenty two over the previous year, and now they're on the rise over twenty three over twenty two, and that's a huge, huge indicator. Uh, also, in that same article, that the average amount borrowed for a car is. $40,000. Pre-COVID, it was 30000 Wow. Yeah. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, the house... Voted a uh, debt ceiling uh, bill yesterday. Uh, let's hear from uh, Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. You said at the very beginning we had to show you a plan, even though the Democrats have shown no plan. Not only did we show you a plan, we're the only ones to pass a plan. 
So I think it's up to you now. Whether the economy goes in any trouble, it's you. Because the Republicans raised the debt limit. You have not. Neither has Schumer. So there you go. Republicans first to pass a, a debt ceiling uh, bill. Just so you know what's uh, in it. Uh, the legislation caps annual growth and discretionary spending at 1% a year. Which the CBO estimates would reduce deficits by three point two trillion over the next decade. That's out of more than sixty trillion dollars in expected spending, as the Wall Street Journal points out. Mm. That is not really austerity. No. The plan also cancels the president's student loan write-off and blocks a propose uh, uh, blocks a proposal to cap borrower loan payments at minimum levels which combined would save $460 billion from 2023 to 2033. The White House press release claims this measure hurts students since when is requiring borrowers to repay their loans a form of punishment? The GOP would also uh, impose modest work requirements for Medicaid, food stamps, and temporary assistance to needy families program. According to the president, making people work or volunteer to receive Government assistance is, quote, wacko. Mm. Most Americans must be crazy because they support work requirements for able-bodied adults. The disappointment is that Speaker McCarthy had to rewrite some of the bill early Wednesday to appease eight members from the Corn Belt who want to preserve tax credits for ethanol and other biofuels. Once you start a subsidy, Republicans can't even get rid of them. No, 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 no. And a subsidy that isn't needed. There is no call. People aren't clamoring for more ethanol in their vehicles. No, they're not. The bill now retains several tax credits for biofuels and carbon captures. These concessions don't bode well for the GOP's ability to stick together to roll back the Inflation Reduction Act's green energy handouts to businesses. There is heavy political lifting to come because the House Republicans will have to compromise with the Senate and Mr. Biden, but getting even a couple of these reforms would be no small political or policy victory. As we have said, though, all of this really is more symbolic than anything else. You really can't do much only having one branch. You know, you can compromise, but it shows you the problems with Republicans that even when it comes to getting rid of, you know, the whole green energy thing, if there's subsidies attached to it, Republicans realize Once you start handing out government money, they even have to vote for it. Yeah. In those states. Right. You got to keep it going. Right. Even if it isn't, even if it isn't something that the public is demanding, the public is not, not demanding ethanol. No. The only people demanding, uh, that ethanol be produced are the ethanol producers that want the tax credits and subsidies. Right. No, it's never going to end. I think the closest we came to it, I don't know, would have been, it certainly was pre-Trump, but Trump said it. You know, look, you're going to have to, you you can't go against the whole ethanol thing politically. Now, in 2016, in the primary season, he didn't win Iowa. But what he said was true politically, you can't. Well, and it shows you that even when it comes to the insanity of subsidies for green energy, yeah, 
once the government starts paying the money, Republicans can't even push through a bill on their own with Republicans when they have a majority unless they continue the subsidies, which is why we will never get this under control. No. We will only get it under control when we get to the point of no return, and then there will be massive cuts. This is more evidence of that. Now, uh, is it least going? Is it least? Is it at least going in the right direction? Yes, but expect that the compromise, if the president agrees to, you know, to negotiate with McCarthy and whatever the the Senate comes up with, will be extremely small to the point of being symbolic. But that's all really the Republicans can do. They don't have the ability to do anything else. Yeah, and you know, I thought to myself yesterday when it, you know when uh, all this came across, I thought, what if they had the White House, the Senate, and the House? Would they go? How much further would they go? Right now, politically, how much? How far does the party? Does the GOP? think they could go i don't know because if you can't get in the house if you can't get if this if getting to this point barely got you the number of republicans needed to do it because all republicans weren't on board on it and Mm. you would have lost it you would not have had the bill the bill would not have passed if you didn't do the ethanol subsidies right so if you can't get that through the House, Republican House, well then how would you get that through the Republic? You know, if, if that if it won't pass the House, doesn't matter. If you've got the Senate and the presidency, if you can't get it through the House, you can't get it through. Right. the The political reality is, if Republicans are going to, I don't believe the Republicans can cut. I believe the only thing they can do is around the edges slow down minutely the rate of growth which just uh, extends maybe by i don't know a number of years the eventual financial doom we'll find ourselves in as a country yeah i don't think they can do yeah the the financial doom clock slowed down a fraction of a second yeah and i think the evidence is right there with if you can't get if you can't stop ethanol tax credits which is actual cash right going to the ethanol industry it's it's like i by the way this isn't the first time i said this the first time i said it was back in what was it 95 i was working in buffalo um as a local talk show host and it had you know uh it had come up that the when the republicans wanted to reduce the rate of growth of the school lunch program. Mm-hmm. And they did a survey. And they, they couldn't get it done. But they did a survey of Republicans. And Republicans thought the Republican uh, electorate that long ago. So we're going back, uh, you know, 28 years. At that point thought, well, one of the good programs that the federal government's involved in is the school lunch program. Mm-hmm. And I said, if. Republicans back, this was 28 years ago, if Republicans believe, the rank-and-file voter believes, that taking money from, you know, local people, you know, like in your school district, sending it to Washington, D.C., running it through the bureaucracy, and then running it back 
to subsidize every school lunch because every school lunch is subsidized. Even if you don't get a discount, it's still subsidized by the federal government. Mm-hmm. So with, without, without any type of uh, means testing about whether you actually, your family needs it or not, well, then we will never, I said this back then 28 years ago, we will never, ever get the budget under control if that's the mindset of the public. Yeah. And you see now, you know, we see, you see where we've gone now. And this really is just a, you know, a drop in the, drop in the bucket uh, here. And they're not even going to get this. Well, well, that's the thing. You put something together that you know is going to get a haircut if there is any negotiation between the House and the President. You know you're not going to get everything. My question is, why didn't you go bigger? Because they can't. Well, that's the thing. Which gets back to my point about if they had the House, the Senate, and the White House. I No, I don't. It would still be weak. It would still be weak. It wouldn't be where you need to be as a country to move us away. but Because you have to send every one of those representatives back to their district to mm-hmm. tell them, hey, we're cutting school lunches too. And you're not going to get that done politically. And that's it. And, and school lunches were That's where we are. Yeah, they, they, well, it, it, it was, yeah, yeah, it wasn't on the docket, an, but you're using, I'm using yeah. that as an example back that then, yeah. we're coming to your neighborhood right. and we're cutting all this too. Right. Because, and the reason it's a good example is because it is. It's, it is your neighborhood. It's, it's your, mm-hmm. you know, your family, quite possibly. But it's right there in your neighborhood and you're, oh, no, 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 no. And that's where we are. I mean, um, Republicans 2016. Oh, man, we're going to come in. We're going to gut Obamacare. It's going to be gone. Nope. Republicans 2017 after winning. Uh, we're we're going to, we're, we're going to, first it was, we're going to get back to you. And then they came back. And, and that's because their own constituents said, hey, don't touch this part of it, the benefits only the mandates and how we pay for it right so we don't we don't want to pay for it put it on add this onto the debt it's where we are that's that was basically the republicans communication and, at that and a point big turn happened party, right? a, a big turn happened after the uh the recession you and i saw it but it was clear that a lot of people that called themselves conservative and supported republicans Rank-and-file individuals. Well, if the banks got theirs, I want mine. Right. Everybody wanted a rebate. Everybody wanted to bail out. Yep. And now we're at that point where, you know, it's, it's, well, they're getting, well, they get, and I get, we understand that our audience doesn't, isn't part of that. Although we did have a few calls that, that came in for the most part. We know that true conservatives see What's coming? But you can't stop the train. You can only tap the brakes. Because if you slam on the brakes, it'll come off the rails. Politically, mm-hmm. that's where we are. 86690 Red Eye. Least owner operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. 
Myth 1. Concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth 2. More revenue per mile is the answer to all problems. Though carrier pay packages differ in structure, revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company. But there can be a big difference in miles, overall gross revenue, reimbursements, and fees. Myth 3. All you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles. In reality, revenue is only half of the profit equation. Costs are the other half. It's possible to generate a lot of revenue, yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar. Myth 4. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if you want to get in. Coming up, uh, the uh, Teachers Union had Randy Weingard in front of Congress uh, uh, yesterday. And, you know, it's uh, – it, look, I didn't learn anything new. I mean, she was foreclosing down the, the schools and was part of the, the Biden administration consulting her, uh, you know, even before they got into the White House. And what she ended up uh, proposing and – passionately proposing was completely wrong and anti-science mm-hmm. and that was closing down the schools which some of the schools were closed down for as we know uh two years and it was never necessary and we had called them on it from day one because the evidence was always the same with children right the evidence still that's you know there are some things that the you know what we were told from the very beginning till you know what we know now were completely erroneous uh, and and ended up being false. That's one thing that was has never changed since the very beginning. Right. Two things that were consistent. It affected elderly people with underlying conditions the most, and the death rate was a lot greater there. And with children, it was a completely different ball game where it was less than the flu. And I know that uh, was it Rand Paul who said, "Has there been one death of a child?" You know basically a child under the age of 10 years old or 14 years old, I think it was something like that, from COVID alone. Not COVID-related, but COVID alone. Was there anybody with that? Well, and remember yeah. he said, we haven't been able to find one that was COVID alone. And that, and, and you just touched on something, the whole COVID-related. 
the when you look at the number of hospitalizations and and deaths and look at the primary if you were to separate and i don't know that we even can at this point go back and separate and say primary cause covid because everything just kind of gelled all together and then oh yep covid we it's important that we learn how this all started it's important that we learn who was actually how bad it actually was and i think we you know in in terms of what we know of of how many people were affected and how badly i it was all just put into one big blender and then spit out mm-hmm. on pages and classified as this but we know that uh, children the death rate was lower than the flu right and so the the point would be that uh if children aren't affected by it then you know, and it's less than the flu then are we going to close down schools permanently because of the flu and that's been a legit question since day one and as we know Weingarten was pushing to keep schools closed way after businesses were mm-hmm. reopening. Mm-hmm. And the question is, why? Why did she have such a big influence on the federal government on that? It mm-hmm. should not have happened that way. No. It should not have happened, yet it uh, yet it did. So we will uh, get to uh, uh, that more. Uh, Charles Grassley yesterday says, yep, whistleblower claim. The FBI labeled damning evidence Russian disinformation to protect the Bidens. He said he's got the information uh, on that. Oh, I love the story yesterday. DeSantis to jump into the 2024 presidential fray in mid-May. And then you read the article, maybe. You know, what's interesting (laughs) is that the governor announced, I think it was a couple of months ago, that there really wouldn't be anything until their state was done with their legislative duties and it was the end of May, basically. So once we get those, what we're doing at the state level done, then there will be an announcement one way or the other. And it's interesting how yesterday it was, It oh, this is going to be, well, actually, we still don't know yet. And remember um, a week or two ago, Biden may not announce until August. Yeah. And that was a story that just became report. I mean, it was just echoed over and over and over again for 36, 48 hours. And of course, it wasn't true. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, eight six six ninety Red Eye. I just saw this audio cut, and this is just really insane. This is a uh, this is a Democrat uh, state representative in Minnesota 
who is uh, proposing a state-run database to track speech that they deem as hate, mm. uh, which uh, could include an article writing or an article uh, saying that uh, COVID came from Wuhan or wearing a I love J.K. Rowling shirt. That this would be, for example, somebody would complain about you and you would go into the database, the state government database for promoting hate. Yeah. And just listen to this. uh, And I'm assuming this is a Republican representative uh, who is asking the questions to the state representative who was proposing this issue. Here we go. Thank you, Madam Speaker and Representative Vang. If a a Minnesotan writes an article uh, claiming or arguing that COVID-19 is a Chinese bioweapon that leaked from from a lab in Wuhan, and someone reports that article to the Department of Human Rights, is that something that the Department of Human Rights should put in their uh, bias registry under your bill? Representative Vang. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Uh, Representative Niska, you know, not all incidents uh, are considered, I guess, violent or um, criminal, as I said before. And so this clearly, if with the rhetoric that we have seen since the pandemic and uh, regarding um, accusing Asians of bringing in the coronavirus, uh, that is bias motivated. And so that can be considered uh, a bias incident. Representative Niska. Uh, thank you, Madam Speaker. I think I heard uh, yes to that, um, uh, yes to that, which is very troubling to me, um, that, that someone uh, making a, a factual argument uh, along those lines, I think is something that's within uh, political discourse would be uh, included in the Department of Human Rights database. Let me ask you another question, though, if Representative Vang would yield. She will yield, Representative Niska. Thank you, Madam Speaker, and Representative Vang, if, uh, if uh, a Minnesotan is wearing a T-shirt uh, that says, I love J.K. Rowling, and someone sees that and reports them to the Minnesota Department of Human Rights uh, as, an, as an example of uh, gender identity or gender expression bias, is that something that the Minnesota Department of Human Rights should put in this, uh, in this uh, bias database? Representative Vang. Thank you, Madam Speaker and Representative Niska. Uh, you know, I think this question will best uh, be answered by the lawyers. I'm not a lawyer myself. I think in the language of the provision, uh, we have uh, looked at the language to make sure that a substantial part of any incident has to be relating to uh, bias and hate and motivated. Um, And so I will, you know, I'm not going to say a yes or no to that question. Uh, All right, so that's still to be determined. Now, he said factual. There is no... Uh, I don't think anybody's talking about that it was a bioweapon. The one representative said factual. Well, uh, it, did it come from, you know, uh, uh, Wuhan? Well, yeah, I think everybody agrees it came from Wuhan. That's where it, Yeah, it was and, a weird and, phrasing because he said factual-based <clears throat> argument. Well, right. if you're saying that they, if they had facts to back their argument, and he said within, you know, the political discourse and discussion of over an issue, is what he was getting at, right. but that was oddly phrased. But she, but she made her comment that yes, because if you say it came from Wuhan, what you're saying is Asians brought it in, and therefore that is bias and hate, which of course is ridiculous. Yeah, she went to right. her answer was, uh, you know, with, if you're basically saying Asians brought it in, then yeah, right. So if you say it came from Wuhan, then you are that's part of uh, hate, and so you would be reported and put in the database. 
if this uh, proposed state-run database to track speech they deem hate. My God, I mean, you might as well go to you might as well go to Nazi Germany if Minnesota passes this. Well, and when she said uh, this would be up to the lawyers, yeah, okay, so that that still would be determined on the J.K. Rowling T-shirt. So what that means is there would be an investigation. Yes. That every Karen that calls this in is going to start an investigation. Because how do you not? If someone calls it in, they report something, they report someone, are you not going to investigate it? Of course you are. That's the whole purpose. Which means then you have people assigned to investigate what other people are saying right not doing does somebody come does somebody come to your does a member of the state come to your house yeah how does that work yeah how how who's to enforce this how does this whole thing work can they get a search warrant to find out if you were wearing the i i love jk rowling shirt right before they put you in the database because are you do they have do they have warrant authority right are you proposing Funding local police departments, does it re- or does it require setting up a division within state enforcement? It's a state law, I would think. State enforcement, <laughs> but I don't know. They, it's Minnesota, where they, as we know, the defund the police in Minneapolis and 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 other cities. It's like we don't want to go after real crime, but let's get law enforcement. Let's let's get a let's get a or a part of government, a pseudo law enforcement agency to put together a database to basically uh, say that you're a hate monger based on the complaints and an investigation of the complaints by the bureaucracy. Ah, like I said, you might as well go to Nazi Germany. Here's a question. And I don't I don't believe I'm going over the top and saying well, that. Well, here's, here's a question. Uh, there has been a lot of focus on how the police treat minorities. This law would require policing. Yes. What if a minority said, I'm not using... That person's preferred pronoun. I'm not going to do it. And they repeated that over and over again. Are you going to send enforcement after them? I'm asking questions because when you start saying you're going to ban speech and thought, first of all, um, constitution... Second of all, I have a ton of questions well, that would, about right. what you're trying to get done and how you think. Because at that point, if you're if well, we would have lawyers investigate it. You mean you'd have investigative lawyers? Someone would have to go. If there's a complaint filed, you have to send some before you put that in the database. You have to send someone out to investigate it. Yes, which is in essence pseudo law enforcement. Well, at by the end of it, if if you if someone is in violation, the law has to be enforced. Well, the law, the, no, the, there is no punishment. You're put in a database. Well, but yeah, why put the, in, but why the database? Well, eventually, to 
Yeah, I, that would be the question. Why do you have the database? Exactly. What, what, what is what is the database supposed to if do? If you're not going to what, take right. action, then right. what then what are you doing? Right. What is the purpose of the database if you get if for example, if you're if you are accused of three violations, oh my god, I just went to uh, I just went to Demolition Man. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. went to Demolition Man. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, I feel like a mighty taco. Um, he really matched his meat. Uh, <laughs> By the way, that is one of the most, um, I would say, Demolition Man has one of the most interesting sex scenes. Would you not say that? Yeah, I was focusing on her phrases. Oh, I yeah. know, I know. Well, no, I just thought about that. I, I know, I was yeah, yeah. I was moving on to something else. And, Another a total... Totally other scene. <clears throat> totally but, other, but if a you're totally crea- other scene. No, but you're if right. If you're creating a law, there has to be enforcement of a law. It can't be just monitoring. Would there be a fine? Monitoring for what? Right. Because beyond that, if it is, if if it's, if you have a person, uh, and, uh, and a number of persons in this database, that is repeatedly doing things that put them at the top of that database. Because let's say I'm on your side and, yay, we should do this. I'm wanting you to enforce it. What are you going to do about it is my question. Does it stop it? Something has to be actionable. Right. So you have the database, people are in it, then what? Then what? Is it, does a report come out? Does this does the state put out who's the biggest hate mongerer? Is Tom Cruise going to repel into my living room? Are the th- are the precogs? Uh, yes, the pre. I'm thinking the of the precogs in the bath. <laughs> oh my! I mean, it's just yeah, because that would be the that's the next question. Well, what does the database do? Well, it puts so if you're someone who gets twenty complaints against them, I mean, what happens? What's the eventual purpose of it? If you just have a filing system that nobody ever sees, or what will come out of this? It, will there will the state of Minnesota put together a report? No, these and, are the and, these and, are the and, top and, ten oh, hate oh, mongers. Oh, 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 oh! I I have a lot of questions. Here's something: the state has the list. It is state property, is it not? It's yeah. a database. Yeah, it's a database. Contains the names of people. Yeah. And their information. Yes. It also would be public information because it belongs to the state. Yeah, Freedom of Information Act would be able to get into it probably. They probably have that in the state of Minnesota. How is that not doxing? This is state-sponsored doxing. Here's the because, list. Yeah, because here's, here's the database, right. and it would be everywhere. No, no, Somebody would probably create their own website right. and publish it and update it every day. Yeah, this is the biggest hate monger, and here's where they live. Yep. And again, the 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 hate speech is is what, what qualifies is, as right. hate speech right. is going to be determined by the state right. by the precogs by the precogs 
Leave Tom Cruise out of it. He's just enforcement. <laughs> he just reads the floating computer screens. Why don't we have so those if yet? You, if you object to the shells instead of the toilet paper, you exactly. may be on the list too. Exactly. To get to Demolition Man. Here. Right. And you tell me that the precogs can't be compromised? I know they can. Wow. I've already seen it. You know, that's, I saw the report. You, you Which think, report? The minority uh, report. Well, that's what's going on in the state of Minnesota, by the way. No, this is exactly what's going on. I mean, that's the insanity of the left right now. We're going to monitor thought behavior. We're going to keep a list. Yep. Well, it's owned by the state. That means it's public information, which means you're going to have every Karen and their mother officially posting it. That is state-sponsored doxing. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. And it's frightening where Democrats are going when you think about that Minnesota bill that we just played that audio cut uh, from. But understand the insanity of where Democrats are are going uh, uh, nationwide. And speaking of insanity, coming up, uh, there was a op-ed piece written in thehill.com about why you should vote for Biden. Hmm. And I decided I made this decision myself, an executive an executive decision. Yeah. I, I did not ask you, but mm-hmm. I decided we would have a comedy portion of the show, which will begin <laughs> following the top of the hour. So I hope it's okay. If you approve of it, I need your approval to have yeah. this little bit of comedy in, in, in actually a serious op, uh, op-ed piece yeah. written about why you should vote for Biden. <laughs> it's just, I mean. Okay, just, just telling me. Uh, it's, it's, what it is is funny. <laughs> and did you see where that trans marathon runner, the the trans woman who won it over was in London? Yeah. Has said, I am not a woman and has now has offered to turn in the trophy. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That I am not a woman. That's a quote. Well. Not a woman. And so... Uh, I'm willing to turn the, if you wish me to turn in the trophy, I will turn in the trophy. I basically saying I don't deserve to win this. And, uh, the latest from Charles Grassley, uh, yesterday, there's a headline, Grassley cooperates whistleblower claim, Hmm. FBI labeled damning evidence, Russian disinformation to protect the Bidens. So we'll get to that. And the whole DeSantis thing that he's going to run in middle of May. End of May, maybe May May eleventh. Uh, well, he's gonna be he's gonna run. Yeah, <laughs> we're we pretty know. sure, <laughs> almost positive. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. If you'd like to chat with us, come on in on today's uh, show. Did you see uh, Biden's uh, Hunter Biden's lawyers walking today? They were moving pretty quick. You were saying that uh, during uh, a break earlier. They, they seem to be walking very quickly. I think if you're a if you're a a lawyer for Hunter Biden, you're always moving quickly. I couldn't tell if they were walking <laughs> out of the courthouse or into the courthouse. Oh, yeah, I believe it was after because it was a report from CNN, and and they yeah. wouldn't comment. the 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 article was that uh, the lawyers would not comment to CNN, and it, so I'm assuming it was them walking. But they were walking. I was like. You know, we, we, we talk about how, you know, you've got these experts who can tell if you're lying or not. Yeah. You know, by your facial movements or whatever. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, can anybody, can you pick up anything by the way that they're walking so fast? Yeah, right. Because it was almost like an Olympic sport. You know, the walking in the Olympic yeah. sport, they were walking that quickly. I'm like, that's odd. <laughs> it's like, yeah. where do they have to go? What What's, what's so important? Yeah. Is there a gold medal at the end of this? Uh, but Hunter Biden's lawyers were spotted Wednesday by CNN. It says silently walking out of the Justice Department uh, uh, for after their scheduled meeting with U.S. Prosecutor David Weiss. They apparently refused to answer CNN's questions. The outlet reported leaving those interested in one of the biggest political scandals of the 21st century to speculate about the outcome of the meeting. So there you go. Now you had Chuck Grassley yesterday reveal on a floor speech. This was actually on Tuesday that. Uh, material reviewed by his investigative staff supported whistleblower allegations that the FBI falsely labeled evidence of potential criminal conduct by members of the Biden family as Russian disinformation. Now, did they do that intentionally or are they just completely clueless would be the question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> While Grassley had previously discussed the whistleblower allegations, he now confirmed for the first time that an independent review of the pertinent records supported the accusations. Hmm. In response to last week's announcement by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that he planned to offer a resolution denouncing former President Donald Trump's call to defund the FBI, Grassley criticized Democrats for remaining silent uh, while the country faced an uptick in violence against law enforcement officers and the radical left uh, to defund the police. The Iowa senator then chastised Democrats for offering a political resolution that ignored the weaponization of the FBI, proceeding then to catalog the Department of Justice and FBI's many abuses. Here, Grassley stressed that protected whistleblower disclosures made, quote, clear that the FBI has within its possession very significant, very impactful, and uh, very of uh, a very large volume of, of evidence with respect to potential criminal conduct by members of the Biden family. I know, quote, I know the FBI falsely labeled that evidence as Russian disinformation 
to bury it. Hmm. Grassley continued, revealing that his staff had independently reviewed records that supported the whistleblower's allegations. Tuesday's comments came some six months after Grassley revealed that the FBI had possession of a series of documents relating to the owner of Burisma and his business and financial associations with Hunter Biden. According to an October 22 news release and an accompanying letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, and Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, Grassley said. I'm still throwing that out there. What if the whistleblower is David Weiss? <laughs> I've got to throw that out there. Oh, well, I've got to because who would have because they seem the the Republicans seem to be you know uh, very confident that this whistleblower will have great credibility and has the actual documents to back up everything that he is saying. And I'm thinking that was the first thought. I go, what if it's David Weiss? Yeah. The documents in the FBI's possession include specific details with respect to conversations by non-government individuals relevant to potential criminal conduct by Hunter Biden. These documents also indicate that Joe Biden was aware of Hunter Biden's business arrangements and may have been involved in some of them. Mm. At the time, Grassley noted that it was unclear whether the FBI followed normal investigative procedure to determine the truth and accuracy of the information or shut down the investigation activity based on improper disinformation claims in the advance of the 2020 election. The senator also expressed concern over whether Weiss had independently evaluated the evidence. Grassley concluded uh, his October 22 letter by requesting that the DOJ and FBI all, uh, uh, the requesting from the DOJ and FBI all records from January 1st, 2014, uh, forward that reference uh, the owner of Burisma, Hunter Biden, James Biden, uh, James Biden, and Joe Biden. While his letter sought all records, Grassley explicitly highlighted several forms among them, uh, which uh, is used to record an asset contract, which is used to request a payment, which is used for a source report, and which is used to close a source. As specific documents requested suggested the whistleblower had claimed the FBI had a source that provided information on the Burisma owner and the Biden family. So there you go. Every single day it's drip, drip, drip. Mm -hmm. And even though I know that the Democrats are concerned about the age of the president, and I think yesterday with the with the cheat cheat sheet that the president had, and not not only a cheat sheet, but the 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 seriousness of I view it as being serious. Maybe the White House press corps doesn't, but when uh, the uh, White House requests questions in advance, uh, you know, and then picks on those reporters who provide the questions in advance, well, then I think Elon Musk should call the L.A. Times, for example, who had the ask the first question, and we saw the cheat sheet there. Should call them state-sponsored media. Mm. Tell me where I'm wrong <laughs> if you're cooperating with government like that. That should never happen in government. And if it is, if it is a well, in some of these things, it's a normal procedure. Well, it shouldn't be a normal procedure. It's wrong. It's immoral. If you're a journalist, it breaks every journalistic rule to do something yes, like that. If you're a journalist, if you're a journalist, right? Yeah, right. Well, they claim they are. I mean, we know they're not, but mm -hmm. they claim they are. 
Mm-hmm. So it's part of pointing out their uh, their hypocrisy. Yeah, so. it will be interesting to see where the Hunter Biden thing falls out. With this much movement from the lawyers, and then with okay. the with Grassley coming out, you don't mean they're walking. You mean they're yeah, <laughs> well, literally <laughs> and figuratively, <laughs> they're walking fast. Yeah, uh, and Grassley coming out. And basically backing it up, going, oh, nope, 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 we got it. Then the whistleblower thing, and we knew this then uh, when it came out, It, but it changes everything. It accelerates everything and brings a whole new magnifying lens to it. And it's not something that the president can can hide the media's not looking away i mean last week alone you had cbs and nbc on it and keep in mind it took what two years more than two years for cbs to to even acknowledge that the laptop thing that the laptop existed and now they're on this story and they were on it early so if the mainstream media is on this, there's no way that it that it goes away. It's not going to go away. And and you know you're and it, it's becoming more news every day that you know the you know the, this is you know drip 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 every day and people know it and the American public because we've at, you know the the American public's been asked about it and they believe that the Biden family, including Joe Biden, has enriched himself by being in government. So that already exists out there. Mm-hmm. So you really can't move it this in a direction anymore. You can't blame. It, it we're way beyond Republicans being blamed for this. You notice that isn't happening right now in the media. You know, you right, may have yeah. an occasional Democrat come out and say, "All they care about is Hunter," but that doesn't. All they care about is Hunter Biden. Hunter's not president. That's not going anywhere because no. everybody has had plenty of time over the last couple of years to connect the dots on it. But the really interesting thing here is now you have, for example, Gavin Newsom come out and say, "No, I'm not going to run." Joe's, you know not going to run because Joe's running. You've had Bernie Sanders come out and say, no, I'm not going to run because Joe is running. Think about this. If nine months from now, let's let's say, you know, more of this, this is drip, drip, drip. You're going to have this whistleblower here by fall. I guarantee be ready to testify hmm. as we really get into the, you know, the primary, uh, the primary season of no debates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you're getting to the primary season and, and this fall, can you imagine the Republicans holding hearings and having the whistleblower there? If Biden has to drop out, he's already passed the torch to Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. It's been passed at that point. It would be a nightmare. If Biden had said yesterday, I'm not going to run, then it opens it up completely. Yeah. But he's running right. and she's She's his, you know, vice president again. He wants her to be the vice president. Stories already came out in the mainstream media yesterday about the worry now. Yeah. How are they going to shore up Kamala Harris? Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. No, uh, that's already that choice is already made. Mm-hmm. That's that's already you, done. Yeah, you can't. She's got lower numbers than he does. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because we had played the audio cut yesterday of her whatever she was saying and it was it was all in time it's all over the place yesterday because kamala harris and incoherent again and i just love this it goes vice president kamala harris spoke yesterday at howard university 
where according to NPR, she gave a fired-up speech on the fight of abortion rights. The speech included a call to arms, including urging the liberals to stand up and fight against the GOP national agenda of pro-life policies. But then she also said this, and I'm basically reading what we had played yesterday from her. I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders for us, at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but to the future. Huh? Sorry, what? <laughs> it's, concerning to, it's concerning to say the least that both the president and the vice president of the United States who are now officially campaigning for four years, appear incapable of delivering remarks without descending into incoherence. That's a great point. Hmm. And I will admit yesterday I, did, I, I didn't selectively edit it. I just thought you had heard enough. But I didn't even play that entire quote yesterday. I only got to the part. Yeah, where we didn't. We I never did, did play the whole thing. I did not play the entire quote. I mean, yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel I had to. And I'm sorry, I did not selectively edit because I am pro Harris. I want to make that what clear. Are you, what you, you work for MSNBC. Who do you think you are? Way to go, Chris Wallace. <laughs> Leave half hey, of it out. Hey, now that's hitting, that's hitting below the belt. <laughs> you can call me Joy Reid. <laughs> yeah. If you ever call, call me Chris, Chris Wallace, Wallace, who do you think you are? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is I totally get it. And that's actually very funny at its core. Oh, my gosh. Don't you dare call me Chris Wallace. <laughs> Let me see if I can find her with the uh, the one from yesterday where she where she said it here, mm. um, because that was just that was the entire uh, audio. Yeah, yeah the the entire audio of what mm-hmm. she said. There's they they've I've just there's just there's just so much of Biden yesterday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, I I have it here. I think I have all the, right. the entire one. Okay, okay let's. So let's... I'll play the entire cut. All right. Okay. All right. All right here we go. Here we go. So. I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. the hell did she say and so she's smoking weed <laughs> now, if she's smoking weed you can't convince me otherwise <laughs> she's on the roof of the white house with <laughs> willie nelson smoking weed every day <laughs> it's almost like the scene from animal house yeah yeah so you mean that the whole civilization could be just on the point of a pin. <laughs> yeah. No, she's smoking weed. You can't convince me otherwise. And if she's not, she needs to. Because she already sounds like she is. I know. So she might as well. That was just... 
She's totally smoking weed. <laughs> I mean, that's the only answer. Now, the question is, is that ad lib or is that on the teleprompter? I, that's a, I got to find that out. That actually is very important. It is. Two things. They're high we while need, they're writing it. We need it. more information on the Hunter thing, and we need to know that. 866-90-RED-EYE. <laughs> Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Please hey, excuse me there, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm telling you when you when I played that audio cut from Kamal Harrison, you just said she's high. She's got to be high. Yeah. Which and, and all I thought about was this little scene. Very quick clip from Animal House. All right. Okay. So that means that our whole solar system could be like one tiny atom in the fingernail of some other giant being. <laughs> this is too much. That means that one tiny atom in my fingernail could be, could be one little tiny universe. I buy some pot from you. <laughs> <laughs> that catchphrase, can I buy some pot from you, yeah. went on for the longest time. Yes, it when, did. When someone would say something, you know, like Kamala Harris, uh, you know, and, and it's they would just talk and you wouldn't know where they're going. It's just. Hey, can I buy some pot from you? No, nope. it just became a catchphrase. Yeah, you're 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 right. I mean, I, and we may say that from now on because yeah, I, when you, when you said that, I went, you're right. I mean, this it, it made no sense at all. She's just she's using words, and everybody's like shaking their head like they know what she's talking about, and nobody has a clue as as to what she's saying. Look at the evidence. She talks in circles, and she's she gets stuck on a word, and it just repeats. <laughs> And then she laughs for no reason. <laughs> She's smoking weed. Right. You if you're laughing for a reason, odds are you're sober. If it's if you're funny. Right. If you're laughing for no reason, reason and you're nobody on else is laughing, <laughs> you're smoking weed. And she is. Oh, my. Oh, I'm telling you, this is just too much fun. It's just too much fun. Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye. 
Radio. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RUD-EYE. One more time, all right? Just, all right, let's hear it. Right, this is Kamala Harris from two days ago. and Yeah. yeah we, we had brought it up. Only played half the cut, didn't play the entire one. And I... And and I should have. I don't know why. I just I stopped it. It seemed to be so impactful. But really, leaving the the second part of it out really does do a disservice mm-hmm. because she completes the entire circle of nothingness. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. So, I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present. And to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. And to go back to a golden oldie from her, you ready? All right, here's a golden oldie. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time. Right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. Weed. Weed's a funny word. Ronnie Jackson's going to add that, and and uh, and what was it? Uh, was it Nikki Haley or who? Who's, who said that we should have cognitive tests for anybody over the age of seventy-five? Was it? I know Jackson said it, and didn't I think Haley, Nikki Haley said it too? Yeah, and, I think it was Nikki Haley. And, I think, and and so. I think they may they might add on drug testing. <laughs> Weed. <laughs> All right, I I had asked the question: Is it on the teleprompter or is she ad libbing these things? We go to Mark in Illinois. Mark, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Good evening, Eric. Or uh, no, that would be for you, Gary. Yes. Mm. Uh, good. Good morning to you, Eric. Hey. Good morning. And, uh, Shout out to, hey, the deep voice guy. Yeah, hey there. Um, I'm calling in for that is that I'm willing to bet, Eric, that it's on the teleprompter. Or should I bet you both? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, because. I, 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 I asked the questions, but but it's okay. I mean, I, I don't know because if it is, she's writing her own speeches. Yes. Because why would you think it's on yeah, the well, teleprompter? See, I'm just yeah, wondering. Gary, Gary, you had always talked about persuasion and how they use imagery. Yes. Yeah, when it comes to voice, it's been years ago, I called in about neuro-linguistic programming, neuro-brain-linguistic voice. Mm. And, and that's what it is. These politicians are trying to persuade. On the other end of the communication spectrum is just pure informational, but that's why they're doing this. They want to give this imagery and uh, uh, the the ideas by voice. 
Uh, yeah. Well, then, it, this. then if I was a political consultant to yeah. thanks, Mark. Uh, to her uh, to the Biden campaign, I would say, stop it. The imagery's not working. If it is on the prompter, her speechwriter is also smoking <laughs> weed. So either way. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just lucky the the prosecutor in DC will will not yeah enforce the weed laws in DC. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Well, the the importance of it is here because it, uh number of stories written just yesterday saying, "Whoa. You know, this is uh I think uh was a Rich Lowry of Byron York somebody wrote the the column that this is the most important vice presidential campaign in history, basically saying Biden's not going to make it in or he's not going to make it through. He won't make it through a second term. He's not going to make it through the second term. And so right. this is uh, this is uh, really um, um, uh, about, you know, Kamala Harris and number of articles written the fact saying the Democrats trying to somehow figure a way to, mm. you know, boost, you know, boost her up. I don't know how you do it. I don't. I, honest to God, I don't well, know how you do it with her. Well, here's she. Here would be my question for both the the Democratic Party and also the rank and file. The question would be: Is your lack of support for Biden? Because it, it, the reason I ask this question is because we're not seeing this outpouring of, oh my gosh, he needs to retire and let her run. That's not what no the sentiment is so you have to take from that they don't want her i mean her ratings are really low there's all the evidence in the world but the point is is that no one is saying it out loud they say it in the in the polls but nobody is saying not her definitely not there's not that they're saying that with biden but I think part of that is also, yeah, we don't want her either. Here it is. The White House is gearing up to revamp Vice President Kamala Harris's image ahead of the 2022 presidential election amid fears. Her poor, uh, her poor approval ratings will hamper President Biden's campaign. Think about this. As weak as a candidate that Biden is, they're worried about the vice president. Okay. That's what's an, what's interesting there is. All of the, the the damage that Biden himself has done, we can talk about the broken border, inflation, uh, the fentanyl crisis, everything that's going on right now, the 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 the, the, uh, the all the rising crime which happened under his watch and his his party is responsible for, but everything that basically falls at his feet. You set aside because then the next question is, of course, his age. And do you believe that there's a decent chance he won't make it? You saw what he was saying yesterday about age. And it was weird because he was saying, well, I don't even, you know, I don't even think about. He wasn't saying, I think he was trying to say age is just a number. But it would it came out as as I don't even really know what my age, age is. is right exactly and so the problem is is that 
if you believe, and, and I'm in that category, I don't think he can finish the second term. I think he would have to resign. I think he'd have to step down and retire. He's not, clearly right now, is not making it day to day. He's only being propped up, and you can't do that for another six years. And so, then what? Then she becomes president. Washington Times opinion editor Charles Hurt on Fox News said, I hate to go here, but it's true. If you're, I don't know why he says I hate to go here. If you're playing identity politics and you pick her because she checks off a couple of boxes on identity politics, you can't be surprised that she's incompetent because you didn't look at competency when you picked her. Well, I don't know why he said I hate to go here. It's the truth. Yeah. Uh, the Biden-Harris administration uh, officially announced a re-election campaign on Monday prompting to finish the job if elected. The apparent reboot would be uh, just the latest uh, for Harris. In January, aides reportedly were ready to relaunch Harris's image because she was, quote, in a better place after the 2022 midterm elections and are already and ready to hit the road to show off the new and improved version of herself. Well, that's been a miserable failure, has it not? Mm-hmm. How can you revamp an image of somebody like that that talks the way that she does? Because seriously, I mean, you know, uh, when when you look at what she does, that could be in a movie. That could be in, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of what movie, you you know, had people walking around high. That, you know, Animal House. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we already played the Animal House, but you know what I mean. I mean, it, it, it sounds like you're sitting in a room with your college friends and somebody's there trying to be an intellectual and they're all high. And so they just go into this circular logic. Yeah. With, that makes no sense, repeating the same words over and, and over again and using them as a as a crutch and then laughing at their own statements that aren't really funny. I mean, that's the sorry, but that's the stereotype of getting high, and she sounds like it. Yeah. Now, as you talked about Biden, let me mm. just read this because this just shows you what the Democrats are going to try to do. Mm. Uh, by Brent uh, uh, Badowski, opinion contributor to TheHill.com. And just so you know who he uh, is, Badowski was an aide to former Senator Lloyd Benson and former Representative Bill Alexander, both Democrats, uh, who was a chief deputy majority whip of the House of Representatives. But here we go. Uh, uh, President Joe Biden and the age issue in the 2024 election. This is how they're going to try to sell him. Okay, here we go. All right. Probably the most important decision in presidential polling today has to do with, and by the way, you can laugh when it's appropriate. Uh, probably the most important discussion in presidential polling today has to do with the number of voters who say they're uncomfortable with President Biden's age, but plan on voting for him anyway. Biden's don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative line is a good one, but it does not do justice to the choices facing voters in 2024. Joe Biden has achieved a major body of accomplishments that voters are well aware of. (laughs) And with age comes knowledge, experience, and contacts to achieve great things. When Biden assumed the presidency, the America and the world were engulfed in the worst pandemic in a century. With experience, calmness, and a steady hand, Biden steered the nation across a great divide of disease and death. When COVID was at its worst, Biden confronted a national economy of dismal growth and soaring joblessness that raised a real prospect of an economic recession with some policies that were classic Democratic economic medicine and others achieved with major bipartisan outreach to Republicans 
Biden and his Republican allies made historic economic progress. Today, the result is a historically high amount of job creation and a low unemployment. Uh, uh-huh. When he ran for president in 2020, President Biden promised to work hard to reduce the extreme and punishing cost of prescription drugs. And what he promised he did, in part working with Democrats, in part working with Republicans, Biden achieved significant cost reductions in prescription drugs that saved consumers tens of billions of dollars. In February of 2022, Russian dictator Vladimir Putin, so he goes on out of the Ukraine and everything else. And, and then says, contrary to his predecessor who bitterly divided NATO. Do you know what Biden did to NATO after Afghanistan? I mean, you can go through here. I can go through point by point. I'm not going to and destroy every single argument here, but I'm not going to. But it shows you what they're just give you an example of how they're going to try to sell Biden here. No, it's the uh, it, a very solid point on the whole NATO thing. Uh, it, our ally confidence in us is destroyed and was destroyed you ready after for Afghanistan. Biden has been a global leader against climate change. He's been working hard to reduce the burdens of student debt. He fights tirelessly for reproductive freedom. He battles for democracy at home and around the world. He is a man of Scranton and a man of the world. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Was was that a... This is what they're going to sell. Springsteen lyric? (laughs) A man of Scranton and a man of the world. By the way, talking about weed... <laughs> that a Billy Joel song? What was that? Man of Scranton and a man of the world. Voters concerned about Biden's age will vote for him anyway because they see a president who's worked extremely hard for them, fought for them, protected them, defended them. These voters value a great president with the knowledge, expertise, and skill to get big things, big things done, particularly compared to those who don't. Voters know he has the heart to care about them compared to those who never will. The majority of his party doesn't want him to run again. Well, bingo. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if you'd like to uh, get in to the uh, show. Coming up, latest poll on the economy uh, is uh, uh, out there. Uh, DeSantis is going to run Okay, at some time. The Q1 GDP numbers come out later today. Oh, that's... Yeah. Any estimates? Two. Two percent. Really? For the... Two percent. Yeah, for the that's first? the median forecast. Okay. Uh, according to um, Market Watch, uh, let's see if that held. Yeah, two percent. Yep. And we'll see where and, uh, it comes out at uh, eight thirty Eastern. And the Department of Homeland Security whistleblower out yesterday about yeah. how the uh, U.S. government is a middleman in the multi-billion-dollar uh, migrant child trafficking operation. Wow, that was my. And the New York, you know, the New York Times did a story on it. That if that this was the Trump administration, yeah, it would be the only story out there, right? Yeah, because remember the cages, yeah, remember the, the cages, oh, yeah. the only story, yep, right.
is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. And thank you. I said Department of Homeland Security. I meant uh, HHS, Health and Human Services, the whistleblower ah, on the humanitarian okay. crisis at the, yeah. the border. And uh, this all relates to the New York Times story last week that talked about uh, basically the United States has become part of the uh, billion-dollar cartel child trafficking operation. Yeah. And, you know, they went through where these children end up and how many are missing. And just the complete and total irresponsibility and the number of articles written over the last couple of days saying that New York Times story came out if that was a Republican. Because remember, Trump and the cages, where the cages started with the Obama administration. Right, right. Remember how you heard about that day in and day out. Mm. Well, the accusation now, and the Democrats are completely quiet about this. And yeah, just listen, yeah. listen to the whistleblower mm. uh, uh, yesterday that, uh, that uh, uh, came forward. Here from the uh, uh, from uh, HHS as she tells her story. Here we go. My goal is to inspire action to safeguard the lives of migrant children, including the staggering 85,000 that are missing. Today, children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. Today, children will call a hotline to report they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked. And we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. For nearly a decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows. And I have to confess, I knew nothing about their suffering until 2021 when I volunteered to help the Biden administration with the crisis at the southern border. As part of Operation Artemis, I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in California to help HHS, Office of Refugee Resettlement, reunite children with sponsors in the United States. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. Some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of labor trafficking. Now, whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to profit off of the lives of children. Wow. You know, the, the horror stories are, are so numerous. 
it just has me wondering sometimes if if there is something that is that is actually growing in 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 terms of the sentiment and the outrage over what's going on with our borders um and and it's you know going to finally reach that boiling point or if too many people are just numb to it or ignorant to it. When you live in a border state, it's it's hard to know. Now, we saw a number of those issues come straight to the top, the, the, the whole um, uh, sending uh, uh, people to New York and Chicago and, and that whole thing last year. But when you look at the fentanyl thing and you look at this thing with children, and when you fully understand what's going on with the cartels and you pair that with what's going on with the federal government. We're assisting the cartels. We are helping them full stop because we're not increasing enforcement. We're not doing what we need to do every single day day to stop it you are complicit in this you are complicit in the fentanyl deaths all of it and the democrats are completely quiet about it they want to ignore it they don't want to be part of any solution no they don't want to do anything about it at all and Politically, you ask, okay, well, then where's the win? Is the win that people aren't paying attention and you think they're not worried about it? Everybody, I, don't, I don't know. That, that every, could be everybody, what they think is but, a win. But everybody knows about it. There's, It's not hidden. It's, no. And over and over and over again. These stories are repeated every day. These scenarios are happening right now. And yet, the border is secure. Yet, you have someone like Mayorkas who basically smirks at anybody who implies otherwise. That arrogant look on his face is, I don't care. That's who they are. And these children will suffer. And fentanyl overdoses will continue over and over again. Every single day, these scenarios are happening right now. And it is not just in border states. It's all over. And the New York Times doing a story on it last week that you thought would blow the roof off it. Republicans have talked about it. It's like no big deal to Democrats. They just leave the, it there. You know, they just with, ignore it. With the child trafficking, child yep. slavery, yep. child, you know, you name it, that not knowing where these children are. Right. And it's like 
nobody cares about it. It's no big deal. We're doing the best we can. Right. And and so uh, you would think that on something like that, you could get some bipartisan, something bipartisan on it, just a few members of the Democrats crossing over to do something, even if it's symbolic, to get the president to put a veto in or something, and you cannot move Democrats. You know, it's like the Democrats blocking. Think about this. Mm. The Republicans passing their bill, you know, to uh, to protect women in sports. Mm-hmm. Title IX. Yeah. That, that right. liberals were promoting back when Title IX came out with to protect women in sports. Mm-hmm. And they have completely obliterated it. They have through executive orders, actually, I wish that would get to the Supreme Court because that, how they view Title IX is not the original, you know, is not all the all at all the original intent of, of Title IX. But the Republicans protect women in sports so men don't compete against women. Not one Democrat voted for it in the House and the Senate trying to pass a bill. It was blocked by Democrats yesterday. Democrats are just, there is no, tell me a reasonable position that the Democrats hold right now. Tell me a reasonable position that they hold. Tell me where they agree with the majority of Americans. Oh, I forgot to tell you when I was at Independent Bob's party, I got into a, uh, uh, did, I, did I mention on the air that I, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think I did. Got into a, uh, maybe I did off the air, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a discussion with uh, a a woman and I, that's a, uh, uh, a lot of her friends that know her well, and they're actually really good friends, mm. were razzing her because she voted for Biden. Mm. And they just razzed her, and they said, you know, you still... And she did it because, well, I'm trying to protect women's rights. And I go, is it the abortion issue? I go, yeah, and I go, good. Because <laughs> I wanted to have another discussion mm. with somebody who was saying, okay, I voted this way. And it was really an interesting... This was the most interesting conversation uh, because I had to be delicate. I met, I met a party. I met a, basically a make a wish, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, 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 party, which was interesting, but she, you know, and I asked her the question, well, do you believe in, in abortion? Well, first off I said, well, Democrats are for, uh, abortion till birth. She goes, no, they're not. Go, yeah, they are. And it was funny because the people with me were like, yeah, they are. They actually are. You know, they're, they, that's what the way they're voting. They're voting. Well, but but that but that's wrong. Okay, then where do you go? Then what you're saying is, you're saying that a woman has a right to do what she wants with her body, right? She goes, yes. I said, so you believe in abortion up to birth? Well, no, I don't. Well, then you don't believe it's a woman's right that it's a woman can do whatever she wants with her body. It should be limited by the state. When you believe it's a human being, when is it a human being? She goes, I don't know. And I go, there's the problem, right? And I said, this. Do you believe the Supreme Court did the right thing or the wrong thing? She goes, the wrong thing. And I said. Here's what they did. They said, we can't decide, you know, we can't decide where life begins, where life begins. That's not our role. And the previous Supreme Court doing that, you know, made, you know, they said, we will determine when life begins. And you can't do that, that the people of the United States must do it as we have with people outside the womb. It's very clear in law where life begins. And and I said, so they actually made the right decision. Well, no, they made the wrong decision because uh, some women can't get an abortion. I go, the, I go, but did they not make the right decision? Because uh, then some children that you believe are human beings won't die. And you could tell how flustered she, she was really flustered by my argument. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I let it go because the point was made. The point right. was made. Then the point is she's thinking, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the full realm of it. I said, but. 
You know, this is up to the country to decide. And you're saying that you're saying that, well, some women would be denied their right while admitting at the same time some children would be killed. Right. Because you don't even know it's a a life. Right. Right. Because you don't know when it's a life. You can't decide when it's a life, but you know, at some point it's a life. Yes. Go. That's the problem. That's the challenge. Right. And it was, and that's, I, I believe that's how Republicans, if you wish, want to win the abortion issue, that's how you win it. Yeah. And, and I've right. just, I've done the experiment since Dobbs last year, and she would be, I think, the sixth or seventh woman that has, you know, approached, well, I, she didn't approach me. I sort of got involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. The others actually approached me when they found out what I did, you know, to, you know, uh, rail their disappointment with a conservative talk show host mm-hmm. and every one of them at the end went okay i see yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're right yeah you're, mm-hmm. you're right mm-hmm. okay yeah okay and that's what you do yeah if you want to win it you argue the specific points of it you don't let them throw a slogan out but i just wanted to throw that one out very quickly here but that's yeah on the you on know, the and, issue because i because i i'd promise that if i got in that discussion i would tell everybody again so. well and and the you know the idea uh, I and I, I don't know that legislatively we'll ever get to that point because of just because of that, because of that alone. But if you look at the, uh, you know the the way that things are going right now, where all of these big problems are are right here, it's not a slippery slope. They are happening, and they're not being fixed. They're not, no one is even on the left offering a solution. On what's going on with the border, the Democrats would not show to the hearings. Repeatedly, they walked out didn't even want to be at the border hearings. That tells you they don't care. Not one of them is offering a solution. Not one of them is screaming, we must fix this. Not one of them. 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. At the core of Compliance Safety Accountability, or CSA, is FMCSA's Safety Measurement System, or SMS. The SMS uses seven safety improvement categories called BASICS to examine a carrier's on-road performance and potential crash risk. The categories of basics are unsafe driving, hours of service compliance, driver fitness, controlled substances and alcohol, vehicle maintenance, hazardous materials compliance, and crash indicator. Under FMCSA's old measurement system, carrier performance was assessed in only four broad categories. Violations or crashes that have occurred within the previous 24 months of performance data are included in CSA calculations but more recent events are weighted more heavily than older events. Violations or crashes that have happened within the past six months are weighted 33% more than events that occurred six to 12 months ago. And violations that are older than a year 
are weighted 66% less than recent violations. This allows a carrier to improve their CSA score gradually as they see fewer and fewer violations. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Trend Radio, he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYED. Uh, Last hour, we uh, read the article about from the Hill.com, the op-ed piece from uh, Brent uh, Badowski, the Democrat, uh, <laughs> really trying to uh, to push uh, Biden as this incredible leader. Hmm. Let's quickly go to Michael in Charleston, South Carolina, on that one. Michael, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Uh, yeah, when you were reading that article, um, I... Uh, your prosody and your tone made me chuckle because it was so very reminiscent of the introduction to the TV version of Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and just to, just to give an example for for anybody who uh, uh, who missed that, let me. It, it had to be this part right here. Yeah. Biden has been the global leader against climate change. He's been working hard to reduce the burdens of student debt. He fights there tirelessly for reproductive go. freedom. He battles for democracy at home and around the world. He is a man of Scranton and a man of the world. Right. And, and he leaps tall, tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> he reaches for cheat sheets. Yeah. At a single bound. He avoids questions <laughs> at the speed of lightning. Yeah. yeah. I know. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. I, Appreciate we, it. Yeah, we had we had to get you in because I, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. I didn't say it, but I was thinking about that when I was reading that op-ed piece saying, wow. Now, the thing is, no Democrat, for example, serving right now will do that. You'll have some op-ed writers here, this guy who was an aide to former Democrat uh, uh, Congress people saying that and mm. senators uh, saying that. You may have a few, uh, for example, on MSNBC, but only people that are that are in this delusional state where they don't understand how the public is looking at the president or they just have given up and said, well, let's just go over the top again and make it sound like he's Superman. Mm. Nobody else thinks that way at all, not even in the Biden administration. Not even the papers that cover him, because when he announced the Politico, well, he announced and gave a speech and didn't mention that he announced. And uh, he would be happy, the campaign would be happy if other stories (laughs) are louder on the day that he announces. Yeah. That there are other stories that are... He's okay that 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 people are interested in... Everything else and not him. Right. <laughs> but as you called it yesterday, the announcement, not announcement. Yeah. I announced, but I don't want anybody to know that I'm announcing right. to run for president. That's how they think. Yep. Inside the White House. Right. Wow.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. You know, you, you and I had played the audio cut from the, uh, the whistleblower from HHS on uh, the Biden administration and the unaccompanied minor children, mm. where he said, you know, the United States basically is a middleman in a multi-billion dollar child trafficking ring. Yeah. And this, you know, follows a New York Times story last week that reported the Biden administration had ignored and downplayed repeated signs that migrant children were being widely exploited, working overnight in slaughterhouses, replacing roofs, operating machineries, machinery and factories, all in violation of child labor laws. It was and is a massive, shocking scoop. And Jim Garrity writes here in uh, National Review, the New York Times unveiled the bombshell scoop, but it was the wrong kind of bombshell to become the kind of multi-day story that overtakes the news cycle. You see, apparently, it just isn't that big of a deal if migrant children are being widely exploited, working in slaughterhouses and factories in violation of child labor laws, if the problem can all be traced back to the Biden administration's policy decisions. It's strange how a story with so many ingredients of hot-button issues, illegal immigration, kids, employers that exploit kids, abuse, retribution against whistleblowers can get so little reaction when the upshot is that a Democratic president and his team screwed up. And then they go into uh, the, the, the fact of what was actually in the story over the past two years, more than 250,000 migrant children have come alone to the United States. Thousands of children have ended up in punishing jobs across the country, working overnight in slaughterhouses, replacing roofs, operating machinery in factories, all in violation of, in, of child labor laws. A recent Times investigation showed after the article's publication in February, the White House announced policy changes and a crackdown on companies that hire children But all along, there were signs of the explosive growth of this labor force and warnings that the Biden administration ignored or missed, the Times have found. Again and again, veteran government staffers and outside contractors told the Health and Human Services Department, including reports that reached the secretary, that children appeared to be at risk. The Labor Department put out news releases noting an increase in child labor, senior White House aides, were shown evidence of exploitation, such as clusters of migrant children who have been found working with industrial equipment or caustic chemicals. And then Jim Garrity writes, This should have been and should be an epic year-defining scandal. Americans have intense disagreements about illegal immigration and what should be done in the situations of unaccompanied minors who cross the border, but no one with a lick of sense an ounce of compassion or an iota of respect for the law would contend that exploiting these poor children in dangerous workplaces is the right answer. Any way you slice it, this outcome is just about the worst, much worse than a system that catches migrant teenagers and puts them on flights or other transportation, returning them to family members in their home countries. In fact, the Times found evidence, some evidence, that the Biden administration punished lower-ranking government officials who noticed and attempted to call out the problem. This is, again, the New York Times. 
And they go through that entire section there. You can't accuse the New York Times of downplaying the story or hiding it because it embarrasses the administration. The story ran on page A1 on April 18th. A lot of people in the conservative world contend that the Times is a public relations firm from the Democratic Party and that the Biden and, and the Biden administration. And as this story demonstrates, that's not always true. Every now and then, the Times and quite a few other mainstream or liberal news organizations discover and run stories that embarrass the hell out of, out of the administration. But the reaction to the story or lack of reaction does illustrate the left of center groupthink at work in most of the mainstream media. MSNBC ran a short segment interviewing one of the employees who was punished. The right of center news world, National Review, Washington Examiner, Fox News, Breitbart, Washington Free Beacon, Daily Caller, Town Hall, ran short articles about the accusations on the Times report. The Center of uh, for Immigration Studies certainly noticed. There may have been others that just didn't come up in my Google search this morning. And Credit Vanity Fair... Uh, for the blistering headline, it's getting harder to tell the difference between Biden's and Trump's border failures. But this scoop was effectively a one-day story. The widespread exploitation of teenagers who crossed the border illegally entered U.S. government custody and who were released to people who exploited them as cheap labor simply wasn't important enough to turn into a cause that took over the news cycle. Hmm. The rest of the political world, which had made the treatment of migrant families at the border a crusade during the Trump administration, largely yawned. Recall AOC accusing the Trump administration of running, remember this, concentration camps. Many people who reacted with white-hot rage at the adoption of a policy of family separation in the previous administration haven't issued any statements in response to the administration's policy of malignant neglect, the Times article detailed how discussion of the problem had risen to Susan Rice, the White House head of domestic policy. So there you go. And then she left. And is that the reason? Did she bail because of of this story coming it, out? You know, the first thing I wondered was, all right, if Susan Rice is bailing, then what's the biggest story domestically? Why? I mean, overall, it's the border. Right. Right. It's fentanyl. It's the child slavery. It's the border. And I thought to myself, well, all right, you know, you had Mayorkas up there again. In recent days, keep in mind, Susan Bryce was uh, one and uh, literally in her final moments uh, wrote that email to herself. Yeah. About the, you know, the whole FBI thing and the Russian hoax thing and all of that. And... Look, it indicates that, you know, at that point that, you know, look, I she was basically trying to say, hey, this wasn't this wasn't me. And and this was what was going on. I want this kind of on record before I'm out officially. 
if Susan Rice is going to talk, I wonder if this is part of the concern. <clears throat> You're not going to address this, and this is over the top. This is not the back and forth that you have seen in in over the years uh, since uh, you know uh, you've been doing this, and 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 I've been doing this. The back and forth on the border thing is has been, you know, ever present. But this now is the cartels running the show. Yeah, the, I mean, this and is, the U.S. Yeah. government being part of it because, right. you know, the whole war on drugs thing, uh, it was well, you know, the the U.S. government isn't, you know, that's a really weak approach. They're really not, you know, doing anything about it. They're not going to really intervene. And so if they're not going to do that, then they're, they're a part of it. And that back and forth went on for ages. But if you look at this situation right now, the federal government, the Biden administration, is working with the cartels because they're not doing a thing. They're not lifting a hand. To stop this. They're not outraged. Their party isn't speaking up saying this must end. And and they point out here that, I mean, think about all of the elements that are involved here. Well, just think back to the child slave right. labor. The the cages were a multi, was a multi-year story. Yeah. Because it kept going, Trump's putting them in cages. And then it, the response would be, Obama started putting them in cages. Right. Remember in that fact, back. The media in, actually used a picture right. that was from the Obama right. era. And so that could, but that was a story for a couple of years. Right. And the argument would start again. I mean, it would start it would die and then it would come back again. Uh Trump's putting them in cages. No, Obama started that policy. Oh, well, then we're going to ignore it for a while. Then it would come up again. Trump's putting them in cages. No, it started the Obama. But the story kept coming back over and over and over and over again. And here you have, number one, the billions of dollars that we know they're making, the cartels are making on fentanyl and how many hundreds of thousands of Americans have died because of fentanyl. And now child slave labor, what the amount of money the cartel is making from bringing children across, from bringing others across, it's multi, and the U.S. government is not only enabling it, but as the HHS whistleblower said, I'll play her audio again here because I think it's important to do it, is she said it could be argued that the U.S. government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion-dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to make a profit off the lives of children, and the U.S. government is in the middle of it, taking the children in and handing them off. Mm-hmm. In some cases, back to people that represent the cartel to put these children into slave labor camps instead of what the policy was, taking the children and sending them back on airplanes to their families in the other in, in, in their home country. Mm-hmm. The left, and this is where we say, the left, the Democrats, don't give a damn about the migrants. No, they, no, don't, they don't care about them. All they care about is what they believe is somehow using it to their political advantage. But let me play the whistleblower again so you can hear what she had to say. My goal is to inspire action to safeguard the lives of migrant children, including the staggering 
85,000 that are missing. Today, children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. Today, children will call a hotline to report they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked. And we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. For nearly a decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows. And I have to confess, I knew nothing about their suffering until 2021 when I volunteered to help the Biden administration with the crisis at the southern border. As part of Operation Artemis, I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in California to help HHS, Office of Refugee Resettlement, reunite children with sponsors in the United States. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor. Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. Some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of labor trafficking. Now, whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to profit off of the lives of children. The administration knows it's happening, so it's intentional. Yeah. They're fully aware. They're fully aware. It's intentional. Tell us where we're wrong. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. One of the other stories yesterday uh, was where uh, Jennifer uh, Granholm, Biden's energy secretary. I'm sorry. I feel like doing the office space and calling her Milton. <laughs> Milton? Eh, he's useless. <laughs> and Granholm? She's useless. She really is. Testified yesterday that, uh, that uh, she supported requiring the U.S. military to move to an all-electric non- uh, vehicle fleet by 2020. She knows nothing about what it requires, what defending this nation requires. She no, knows nothing. Not completely clueless. I mean, you're talking about, you're actually dealing with children here. You yeah. really are. Yeah. You're dealing with people that have the mentality of children. Right. Everything is emotion and wish. Yeah. They're not adults. Seriously, they're not right. adults. Right. Because nothing that they talk about has any type of critical thinking or common sense to it. Or is based on any type of science or (laughs) the instinct of self-protection. Right. And she cares nothing about it.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.